This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Breaking Down the Attitude Era. Hour by hour, minute by minute. I am Vince Russo. It is June 12, 2023. And today we are going to be looking at Season 6, Episode 14, April 6, 1998, from Syracuse, New York. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And as I told everybody last week, I really felt that last week's show was the absolute weekly start uh, of the Attitude Era. We were getting glimpses of it prior to that. We were building, we were eliminating some stuff that didn't work. And as of last week, uh, Steve Austin becoming the WWE champion or WWF champion at the time, I really felt that that was the official start of the Attitude Era. And we continue on this week, man. And it is all about continuity, 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 continuity. And remember last week, Vince had Austin arrested at the beginning of the show. So where do we pick it up? We pick it up with Vince McMahon coming out to the ring. I had a pop huge, man, and I want to throw my respects out there to the great Black Jack Brown, um, who was a ringside photographer, man. I popped when I saw my good old late friend Black Jack um, ringside. Black Jack Brown was somebody I met very, very early in the business, and he befriended me. Um, as a matter of fact, man, to the day he died, he would call me vicious because I went all the way back to Vicious Vincent's World of Wrestling with Black Jack Brown, all the way back to 1991, and every conversation would be vicious. And uh, what what a man, bro! What a what a freaking uh, legend, Black Jack Brown. You guys will see him in the um, in the uh, opening shot ringside. He's a photographer ringside. Uh, so now we continue on the story where. Vince McMahon says Mr. Austin was released the same night last week because of my benevolence. And he said Austin learned his lesson. And tonight could be the proudest moment in my professional career. Vince promises up top that you are going to see a new and improved Stone Cold Steve Austin guaranteed or your money back that is the opening of the show that ladies and gentlemen is what you call a hook uh that is hooking the audience for the remainder of the show to see if indeed vince mcmahon has um just changed stone cold steve austin if he has converted Stone Cold Steve Austin. And as I as I told you guys several times, it was at this time 
where, you know, Vince had told me, Vince, you are connected to Steve's hip. Nothing else really matters. He is the priority. I want you to concentrate 100% on him. And that's where I really started zeroing in on what Austin was going to do week after week after week. From there, we have uh, Dan Severin's music and entrance with Jim Cornette. If you remember last week, uh, Cornette introduced Dan Severn to the uh, WWE. They play a highlight package of uh, Severn, which makes him look like an absolute killer, which he was back in the day, man. For those of you that don't remember, when we go back to 1998, Dan Severn uh, was a killing machine. I mean, he was the UFC. He was ultimate fighting. He was the biggest name in the industry. Uh, Jim Cornette sits on color and puts over Severn to the moon. And I, I got to give Cornette credit here, man. He knew all the credentials. He knew all the achie- achievements of uh, Dan Severn. One thing that really stood out to me in this match is, the again, the late, great Timmy White is, uh, you know, kind of getting in there physically uh, backing Dan Severn when Severn isn't stopping, when he tells him to stop, stop. Bro, you will see this a lot with the referees during that time, the referees were very believable. They were not nameless, fameless people, uh, uh, um, nameless, faceless people. Uh, They did not come across as absolute idiots. And they really, you know, a Chioda later on in the show, you will see it. They really, really take over that ring, man. And they really show that they are, authoritative, uh, not like you see these mamby-pamby referees today. And again, bro, nothing against the referees today. I don't know any of them except Rudy Charles. And I could tell you firsthand, yes, Rudy Charles is mamby-pamby. But these other referees, I don't know them from Adam, bro. So this ain't a knock on them. This is a knock uh, on the WWE. Uh, Somehow the referees have become less and less important uh over the years uh severin uh, gets a arm bar on flash funk he goes over very 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 impressive i want to um i want to get a little bit later on man into the triangle of ken shamrock uh steve blackman and dan severn a later on a little later on in the show because i think we made a mistake think it was a big mistake um and um you know i gotta point out you know failures um you know just as i do successes and i have no problem with that bro looking back where we may have messed up where we may have made a mistake and i'm going to talk about that a little on a little later on from there before the commercial DX is in the house, the new DX, and they are already causing all kinds of hell before they even step into the arena. This is another hook as we go into commercial break. We then go to uh, DX. 
Um, I, I got a little funny story here, man. When, uh, you know, Sean Waltman came up with the name X-Pac. And, bro, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't one of the cool, hip kids. Um, so I had no idea what X-Pac meant. Uh, I know Tupac. <clears throat> I still don't know what Pac means. I don't know if there is a meaning to Pac. I don't know what that is. But um, Sean Waltman came up with X-Pac. <clears throat> that was the name he wanted. I didn't really understand it. But I could tell you who uh, definitely didn't understand it. Again, man, I keep saying the late great, the late great, the late great. The late great Pat Patterson, man, he used to call him X-Pac. Uh, had had no idea what X-Pac was. I don't even think if Pat knew it was X-Pac. But uh, Pat used to call him uh, X-Pac. Had, had no understanding whatsoever. But again, bro, that was uh, Sean Waltman came up with that name. Extremely, extremely successful. Now, bro, what they're constantly getting over here, and I know this came directly from Vince because I was sitting at Vince's table when the NWO was starting to run rampant. And, you know, Vince said to me, bro, we've got the athletes and they are younger they are work workhorses, and I know that's what Vince was really uh, trying to get across because we got a DX promo here, and they say we are the youngest and most capable athletes in our business today, um, and that definitely, definitely came from uh, Vince McMahon. X-Pac says we are young and hungry. Bro, no doubt, X-Pac, X-Pac, DX was created to combat the NWO. No doubt about it. Again, I know I had a great influence over this interview because Triple H ends the interview by saying, my bazooka is locked, cocked, and ready to unload. From there, bro, we go to a shot of Steve Austin's locker room. Has the rattlesnake been tamed? Guys, do you see the hooks? This is not difficult. This is not difficult. I know if you guys were writing the show, you would do the same exact thing. This is not difficult. Um, We come back. DX is causing um, more chaos in the back. Uh, messing with stagehands, spray painting DX on everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now we get to Steve Blackman against Brian Christopher. We must have been running late on time here because uh, Brian Christopher had no entrance, so I'm sure we were running long. Tennessee Lee comes out. Uh, sits down at color. Robert Fulton was great, bro. And the legend of Robert Fulton, Tennessee Leela, uh, was that he had a very large uh, Yakin Floster. Uh, that was his claim to fame. That was the story that I would always hear about the great Robert Fulton. But uh, great, great performer, Tennessee Lee. Bro, I, I, I love, there was a spot in the match where um, Blackman was in charge, um, and Brian Christopher stopped him by the rake of the eyes. When is the last time, bro, 
When is the last time you saw a rake of the eyes in professional wrestling, man? Rake of the eyes used to be uh, used all the time. For those of you who are newbies, they used to call it the eye gouge. The eye gouge was one of the most popular moves, and I had a pop here because old school Brian Christopher used it to stop um, Steve Blackman. From there, bro, uh, Tennessee Lee teases a big surprise that Sawyer Brown is going to pick up Double J, is going to back up Double J at the next um, pay-per-view, Mark Miller and Sawyer Brown. Bro, Jeff Jarrett was always tight with uh, Sawyer Brown. The uh, the Harris boys, bro, Ronnie and Donnie Harris, eight ball and skull, they wound up, uh, they worked for Sawyer Brown for years, bro, years and years and years. Um, you know, they, they were part of their management team. There were always ties to Sawyer Brown. If you guys don't know who Sawyer Brown is, if you go back to the first star search with Ed McMahon, Sawyer Brown won the very, very first star search. And, um, you know, like I said, bro, these, these, they were kids at the time. They were out of Nashville. Uh, they were hooked up with Jeff. Uh, Mark, Mark Miller, the lead singer of Sawyer Brown, was a very good friend of Jeff's. Um, Bro, this match ends in a submission, which is interesting, bro, because we have two literally legit fighters in back-to-back matches with back-to-back submissions, um, which probably should not have been booked that way. We probably should have separated the uh, the um, legit fighters uh, throughout the show. Because actually, we're going to see all three of them today. Uh, Shamrock uh, um, wrestles later on in the show. After the match, bro, Tennessee Lee comes back out. He introduces Double J. Um, So Blackman's attention is to the ring. And from behind, the infamous Double J guitar shot. And ain't I great. Guys, let's talk about a little bit about the Steve Blackman, Dan Severn. Uh, Ken Shamrock Triangle. Bro, these guys were all out of the same mold. These guys were all legit fighters. Um, Shamrock and Severn were ultimate from the ultimate fighting world. Uh, Steve Blackman had more of a jujitsu, kung fu, karate, whatever you want to call it background. But they were kind of all of the same cloth. Um, they were fighters. I mean, that was their gimmick. They, they, they were fighters. I mean, you know, Blackman was the lethal weapon and Shamrock was the world's most dangerous man and Severn were the beast. But at the end of the day, these guys were very dangerous, uh, hand to hand combat artists and bro, bringing them all in at the same time was a mistake. It, it, It was a mistake, bro. And somebody was going to get lost in the shuffle. And part of the problem, bro, in booking all three of these guys was Shamrock had the gift of gab, man. Shamrock could cut a promo. Uh, Shamrock could sell emotion. And Blackman and, and Severn were very straight-faced and serious. Um, they were great wrestlers, great 
hand-to-hand fighters, but neither one of them had the charisma of uh, Ken Shamrock. They just didn't, man. That's that's not a knock on them. They just didn't. So I think bringing in these three guys very close to each other, I think that was a, a huge mistake on our part um, because somebody wasn't going to get over. And it really turned out to be, um, you know, Severn got the least over and Blackman kind of hit a, a ceiling. From there, bro, we go to something. Oh, my God, that attitude era, bro. This is something that they would tell you they positively, absolutely could not do today. A DX is still effing around, and now they are pissing on the motorcycles of DOA. From there, bro, we go to a a great segment. Man, if you guys want to see what a professional promo looks like um, where you just give the talent an outline. This is what we want to get across. This is what we want to achieve. And then they just go out there and do it their way. This is a perfect example, bro. I forgot all about this, um, this promo, but this is Cactus Jack going out to the ring. He's carrying a chair. He's wearing a neck brace. He's very solemn. uh, And he sits the chair in the middle of the ring. And he talks about that bad things um, have happened to him over the years. But it was all worth the pain. Then he puts over, you know, Terry Funk, huge And he says, you know, no excuses. We lost our titles to the uh, New Age Outlaws. But then, bro, here comes the subtle heel turn. And, uh, you know, bro, I I look at today's rosters up and down. I don't know who could have pulled this off. I don't know anybody in the business today that could pull this off. Because this is a very subtle McFoley Cactus Jack heel turn. And uh, Mick says, um, I gave you, uh, I you wanted Cactus Jack? I gave you Cactus Jack. But when I was laying there helpless in the middle of the ring, you were chanting somebody else's name. And bro, this was an organic moment. And what Mick is talking about is, after him and Terry Funk got beat down and they were still down selling, uh, this must have been for a house show or something. The announcer said, you know, coming up next, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the fans, of course, popped for Austin while Mick was still out there selling. They're popping for Austin. This is what I'm talking about, guys, as being organic. Either Mick saw this, either I saw this, either we both saw this. It doesn't matter. But we saw it, bro. And we used it as an opportunity. Because uh, from there, Mick says, this is not a knock on Austin. He's my friend. But now he's addressing the people. It was distasteful, it was disrespectful, and it was disgusting. 
And now I'm going to accept a group apology right now. So he's asking the fans to apologize, bro, for cheering for Austin when he was down selling after he gave them Cactus Jack, which is what they wanted. From there, um, Cactus, uh, JR and Cole uh, mentioned that Mick Foley sounds bitter. And then Mick says, it's not worth it anymore. A long time, uh, it's going to be a long time before you ever see Cactus Jack in the ring again. Bro, this was an absolute great promo. This was a, a very emotional promo. Uh, Michael Cole says, questions, is Mick Foley feeling sorry for himself? Mick walks up the ramp, you know, puts his arm up from behind, and uh, JR says, Cactus, goodbye and thank you. So we are going to be off to another chapter in Mick Foley's life. But again, guys, a very organic situation that we were paying attention to. If this happened today, bro, it would go right past them. I guarantee you, bro, it would go right past them. What a great, great moment. Bro, if you're going to watch anything on this show, watch that. From there, we go to a shot of earlier today. And the nation is waiting for Farouk to show up to the building. And they get heat on Farouk outside of the building. This was this was shot with a very grainy black and white feel. Um, pretty, pretty brutal beatdown. But again, bro, this is when we actually used to shoot stuff outside the arena. I, I don't know, bro. Does a different time mean that uh, you can't shoot stuff outside the arena anymore? Or does a lazy, does, does a uh, different time just mean that you're fucking lazy? Wh 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 which is it? I, I say it's because you're lazy. I don't know how a different time equates to we can't shoot anything outside the building. From there, we go to a match with Rock comes out with the nation against Owen Hart. Bro, this may have been the first time I could be wrong, but this could have been the first time that Rock uses the phrase when he says, finally, the people's champ has returned to Syracuse. All throughout this match, man, JR is still teasing Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are we going to see a corporate Stone Cold Steve Austin. Then, bro, we get a very interesting line from Michael Cole. And Michael Cole takes a shot at JR for Vince making him wear a cowboy hat. And that is 100% correct, man. It was Vince who suggested that JR go out there in a cowboy hat. And, bro, Vince was ribbing. Vince was ribbing. Vince wanted JR to go out there wearing a cowboy hat, thinking he was going to look like a stupid ass. Uh, JR outworked him by wearing the cowboy hat and getting the cowboy hat over. And here we are, guys, what, some 25 years later, and the cowboy hat is JR's staple. So 
Thank you very much, Vince McMahon. You're trying to rib JR. Bro, this is much like Vito with the dress. Remember, Vince made my friend Vito LaGrasso wear a dress. And uh, Vito went out there and wore the dress everywhere he went uh, to pretty much shove it up Vince's ass. That's kind of what JR does here, bro, because obviously we all know that JR's cowboy hat became a wrestling staple. Um, the nation is sent to the back. Owen and Rock have a uh, great match. Owen and Rock, bro, became very, very, very close over the years, man. Very, very, very close um, over the years. Close friends, bro. Uh, JR mentions this is not the seniors tour. Um, Owen has Rock in a shop sharpshooter. This is for the Intercontinental title. China comes out of nowhere, Neil, uh, nails Owen with a, a chair. You know, again, bro, this is Rock getting DQ'd uh, when Rock has nothing to do with DX. The match should have just been thrown out, but Owen wins because of a DQ, but he does not win the title. Um, you know, bro, this was a time where finishes on the television show didn't mean anything, bro. They didn't mean shit. You wanted a clean finish, bro. You wanted the great 15, 20-minute match. That's what you got at the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was the blow-off. Everything else, bro, was a build to the pay-per-view. Casual wrestling fans don't give a shit, bro, about clean finishes. And guess what, bro? When you have clean finishes, you also have no storylines because nothing continues. That's why they call it a finish. A finish is a finish, bro. It's finished. It's over. That's why the WWE is having such a hard time telling stories today because the, the, the marks today want clean finishes in fake wrestling fights. Back then, it didn't mean shit, bro. And it still doesn't mean shit. From there, bro, we are going to the second hour of the war zone, man. And this is what everybody is waiting for. Vince comes out with a police escort. Uh, Jerry Lawler now is in there with JR. Are we going to see a new and improved WWE champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, that's how Vince introduces him. And much to everybody's surprise, Austin comes out wearing a suit. And JR says, my God, Austin has gone corporate. Um, it's funny, bro, because you talk about the nuances. Austin doesn't go up the ropes uh, to all four corners like he used to, and he keeps looking back at Vince like Vince told him not to do that. So he just stands in the corner. He does not get up to the second rope. Uh, Vince, the expression on Vince's face is he is loving this. Uh, Vince says this is one small step for Steve Austin, one great leap for the WWE. Fans are chanting Austin. Vince asks Austin, where are the Gucci shoes? 
And Austin says they were tight. They were very uncomfortable. I just thought I'd wear my wrestling boots. Then Vince takes off Austin's hat and tells Austin this does not go with the suit. And, and then Vince asks Austin the question, what was the moment where you accepted reality, which was phenomenal? Austin then uh, wants Vince, and, and well, Austin then suggests that him and Vince take a picture. And then Austin says, I want you to develop that film because that is the last time you will ever see me in a suit. Austin continues to strip off the entire suit piece by piece, the tie, the jacket, the shirt, down to the pants, bro, takes off the pants. He then flicks Vince in the balls, and the people are going nuts. So obviously, this saga is going to continue. Vince McMahon's attempt at making Austin turn corporate uh, failed. Man, I I just remember this um, very, very well. I just remember this scene very, very well. Like I said, man, this is when I, now that Austin was the champion, this is where I really started zeroing in on what are we going to do with Austin week after week after week. And right away, as we go to break, JR says, I know there is going to be retaliation. Is Vince going to retaliate tonight? Hook, 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 hook. From there, DOA comes out. They are pissed off about DX pissing on their bikes, and they call DX out and challenge them to a match later tonight. Uh, We have a Sable and Luna package, and then we have a match where they're promoting an intergender match all night where Sable is going to take on a guy. So Luna goes out with Goldust. Luna beats the, I mean, I'm sorry, Goldust beats the snot out of the jobber first. And then Luna takes over and Luna beats the jobber one, two, three. Now here's something very interesting. If you remember, bro, uh, Luna and uh, Sable are going to an evening gown match here. And the evening gown match made sense, bro, coming off of that award ceremony. I, I laid that out to you last week. That was the reason behind the evening gown match. But here JR says... Who will be stripped down to their bra and panties? That's JR saying that. You know, bro, I get accused a lot about bra and panties match. I never booked a bra and panties match, bro. That came after I left. And I think JR is saying the term here for the first time. We had an evening gown match, and earlier in the show, they're comparing the evening gown match to the tuxedo match, which was a staple of the old WWF. This is the first time JR saying who will be stripped down to their bra and panties, and I really believe, man, that's where the bra and panty match came from. It never came from me. From there, bro, we go to another great um Val Venus vignette, and he's looking at his latest movie as hard as it gets. 
and he says, when I come to the WWE, I will rise to the occasion. Because when I get up for a role, I never come down. When Val Venus enters the WWF, it'll be a scream. Remember the vignettes, guys? Oh, it's a different time. We can't do vignettes anymore. It, it, it's a different time. Bro, it's evolution. It's evolution. This is the evolution of wrestling. We can't do vignettes anymore. From there, bro, we go to a match with Mark Merrill and Ken Shamrock. So you've got, see, that's what I'm talking about, bro. You got Shamrock, you got Blackman, and you got um, Severin all on the same show. All on the same show. Early on in the match, Mero cuts a promo on Sable, tells her to leave. We get word that DX has accepted the DOA challenge. Sable goes to the back. Again, I got a note here, bro, that we should have staggered Shamrock, um, Blackman, and Severn rather than have them on the show all at once. Nation comes out. They club Shamrock with a chair. They get heat on Shamrock again. Nobody gives a shit about finishes, guys. Casual fans don't give about a shit about finishes. You get the payoff at the big show, at the big match, not in episodic television, bro. From there, bro, we have Taker come out. Kevin Kelly interviews Taker. We go to the Titantron, and Paul Bearer and Kane are at the tombstones of Taker's parents. Remember, Taker was there just a few weeks ago. Now Kane and Paul Bearer are there. Continuity, guys. Nuances, nuances, nuances. Uh, Kane destroys the tombstones of his parents and then sets them on fire. From there, we go to DX against DOA in a six-man. DOA jumps the match. We start off hot. Uh, Road Dog is selling his ass off. They mention here, very interesting, that Shawn Michaels has no comment on the new DX, so obviously they are leaving that door open. Uh, Jerry Lawler gets in a little reference of his favorite baseball team here because the baseball season just started and the Cleveland Indians are off to a 5-0 start, and Lawler gets that in here. We have a brawl, and then Triple H pedigrees, uh, chains. Um, X-Pac is on the headset throughout this entire thing. More heat from uh, a do uh, more more heat from DX on DOA, uh, and then LOD hits at the end. We have a huge brawl going off the air, bro. They hogtie chains to the ropes. Remember, bro, I told you either last week or two weeks ago, chains was in the doghouse, and that's why Kurgan dragged him to the back by his skull. Well, bro, here again. They isolate Chains, and they tie him to the ropes, and they beat Chains while Ronnie and Donnie are selling out on the outside. Bro, that story came directly from Ron Harris. So you see, bro, this is back in 1996 
1998, 1998, guys, 25 years ago, they were doing the same shit, punishing talent the way they do today. You you guys think I'm, I'm kidding you? 25 years ago, bro, they were doing the same thing because Brian Lee had heat with the office. Well, guys, listen, that was the show, man. The Attitude Era is really starting to hit its stride. And, of course, you tune in to next week to see what the retaliation is going to be for Vince McMahon on Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, guys, join me in two weeks, bro. We will follow up on the next show, which will be Season 6, Episode 15, April 13th, 1998. Guys, remember to check out patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC starting at 75 cents a week. Check it out, guys. I'll see you in a couple weeks.